Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as we are going to wrap up the week by continuing our mailbag. We did start this a couple of days ago. We did a part one. Uh, so if, if any of the listeners did happen to miss the start of this uh, mailbag, you can go back and make sure you catch that one. And then yesterday, I did catch up with uh, Katie George, obviously the, the former sideline reporter of the Bucks from the 60 win season last year so uh that was also fun it was fun to catch up with her so if you missed that one uh let's be honest we've all got some time so you can probably go back and and catch that one uh but before we get into the mailbag today Frank I do want to remind everyone we still have the deal running with Postmates so that's uh the deal to get a hundred dollars free delivery across the first seven days if you sign up with Postmates just download the Postmates app and use the code locked on NBA and you'll get $100 free delivery for the first seven days. So at a time like this, that might be something that uh, uh, some, some people, some listeners can, can get out and use and, and uh, get some value out of. So we're going to keep rolling with the mailbag, as I said, Frank. And I, I do want to start, I know you've told this story before, but there is new listeners, probably people that don't know the background. And this comes from Jake Hahn. He asked a couple of questions, but one of them was, Asking about your background and how Brew Hoop came about, first of all, and then how this podcast started to happen. So I don't know. I don't know where you want to start, but I may as well just throw this one to you. What's what's the story, Frank? Well, children, gather around the campfire. <laughs> um, I'll, I guess I'll try not to belabor this too long because I don't. <laughs> I'm always, 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 always hesitant to act. <laughs> yeah, I'm always and I'm always hesitant to act like you know <clears throat> this is that interesting but um so you know i so my i guess like the brief history of my fanhood so um i moved to wisconsin in 1989 when i was eight years old my dad was um in the army we lived in germany my mom's german um they had lived in milwaukee in the 70s we decided to move to wisconsin because there were kind of connections here he started a business here 1992 we get buck season tickets i was 11 years old and i remember going to the uh, draft night in 1992, summer 1992. I can I can picture the walk downtown, warm weather, um, getting a uh, like a commemorative upper deck um, like thing showing like previous uh, first overall picks. It had it had like basically like, like the, it looked like a trading cards of the, all the first overall picks from '85 to '92, um, the lottery era. And I remember Todd Day being picked and Lee Mayberry being picked. And that was sort of the start of my Bucks fandom. Um, actually, I went year before I went and saw a game too. That was, and Moses Malone was on the team, which was kind of random. But anyway, so the Bucks sucked for, you know, however long. <laughs> it was a bad, it was a bad decade. Basically, when I showed up, the stuff went downhill. Um, and I graduated from college in 2003. Um, so I was kind of gone out of the loop, like a little bit more than, than certainly I would have liked during the uh, 2001 run. Um, I remember being home. I did get to see a game in conference finals. Um, and then I graduated from college, 2003. I think it was the next year I got league pass. Um, I mean, it was like 04, 05 I got league pass. And then um, when the Bogut, uh, you know, the, the first overall pick lottery happens, um, I joined Real GM which at the time was, you know, the biggest seemed like the, I think the, the ESPN boards still people went to at the time, but that felt like the biggest bucks, you know, message board. So I spent about two years posting a lot on real GM. You can still find my stuff there under fam 3381. Um, not that I have posted much in the last <laughs> couple of years, but, um, but I posted there a ton. And then, um, in 2007, basically, summer, like 
it was like May, June of 2007. Um, I just thought to myself, you know what? I post all this time on, on this message board. Um, what if I like start like a blog, like a blog spot blog and I just start writing about the bucks. And so I did that and it was leading up to the draft. Uh, and that ended up being a very interesting summer cause it was the E Gen, the end draft. It was the Charlie bell, uh, whatever the weirdness of Charlie bell and his restricted free agency. Um, I think Mo Williams getting his big contract was that summer too. So it was like kind of an eventful summer, even though it was like, it's not like anything, you know, momentous in the grand scheme of history happened. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I started, you know, um, started writing a lot on my, my blogs. I think it was, I titled the blog, just another bucks fan. I think <laughs> didn't give it a lot of thought, not, not a great brand. Um, I think it was, uh, yeah. So, so anyway, so I was kind of doing that and um, that summer, you know, there weren't obviously a lot of like team sites or, or blogs. Right. Uh, and that summer, and I don't even remember how I'm, I'm trying to remember like how I, how my, how like my things even kind of got into the, into the, like anywhere, like how anybody even became aware of them. But, um, but Henry Abbott who ran true hoop, um, linked me once or twice in the daily and his like daily notes. And then Kelly Dwyer, uh, who of course, you know, was at Yahoo's Ball Don't Lie forever. Um, and, uh, you know, now runs, uh, his own Substack uh, uh, you know, paid site that I, a newsletter that I subscribe to. And Kelly's like one of the most unique voices out there. Kelly, I remember he took over for Henry, like for a week when Henry was on vacation and, and he linked to me as well. So there were kind of like these random spikes in my traffic. I guess I generated a little bit of awareness. And then um, SB Nation, um, Matt from Bloggable, who I don't, I think Matt, I don't think Matt's, I don't, I still think to this day, Matt's full name is not public knowledge. But anyway, Matt <laughs> reached out to me and asked me uh, if I wanted to, uh, if I was interested in being the, basically heading up the SB Nation team site that they were trying to launch for the Bucks. And so, um, I thought about it and I was like, okay, that'd be interesting. I mean, I didn't know that much about SB Nation, but they had uh, a number of, I think they had maybe like between six and eight team sites at that point. And Sacktown Royalty of Tom Ziller, who I mentioned the other night, he was one of them. There was Bloggable. Um, I'm trying to remember what all the other ones were, but anyway, but there were some pretty well-known, um, you know, team sites that, that people were aware of that were there. So I thought, you know, that'd be interesting. Like maybe I'll get paid a little bit. Um, but mainly just, I wouldn't have to deal with any of the, you know, back end stuff. I wouldn't have to sell ads. I wouldn't have to do anything really right. I could just write. So, um, at that time, Alex Boder, um, had also like started like, blogging on his own, like right around the same time I had, uh, I think his website was even less creative than mine. It was called Boder Bucks. Shout out to you, <laughs> Alex, for that uncreative name. And, uh, so I just pinged him and I just said, Hey man, like, Estimation's asking if I want to become their team blogger. Like I would rather not have to do all the work. Like, would you be interested in doing this with me? And he said, yeah, okay. And so we didn't know each other, um, but we, you know, knew each other's work and we basically decided to go in on it. And I think, I think it was October 30th, 2007. Um, Hoop was launched. And so, yeah, so that, that's just kind of how it started. And um, you know, everything kind of grew organically from there. Uh, and, um, ironically, I, I mean, I only left for hoop in the, it was December, 2016, because, um, the company I joined, the consulting firm I joined, uh, that fall, um, their audit business is actually the auditor for Vox media, which owns SB nation. And basically they have like very, any, I'm not an accountant, but you know, in my, this massive consulting firm, like if you are, um, yeah. <laughs> work doing work for a uh, a test client, basically a company that, that they audit. There's all these like it's all these tricky, you know, independence rules. So they were basically like, yeah, you can't do that. Um, so very abruptly, I had to stop. Uh, but it's worked out for the best because I guess the summer of 2016, David Locke had reached out to me about doing um, joining his podcast network. You know, I had been doing the Brew podcast with first Steve Von Horn and then uh, Eric name. And, um, at the time Eric and I were kind of podcasting pretty regularly. And, um, you know, when lot, when, when David asked, um, I was interested, you know, it seemed like, okay, we can 
you know, make some money doing this. Um, and uh, so anyway, so I reached out to, you know, basically asked Eric if he was up for it. And originally we thought, oh, like we'll find other people to like fill in a couple of days. There's no way we, no way we're going to pod five days a week. And, uh, you know, that was, I remember the first podcast we did was, um, Don, I think it was Don Maker's debut summer league game in summer of 2016. So, um, anyway, so yeah, so that's, I mean, that's kind of the, I guess the short, the short history of it. I mean, it's always been a, uh, a hobby to me writing, uh, and now podcasting, um, you know, just been kind of a way for me to, uh, kind of, you know, maintain my fandom, uh, yeah especially since I haven't lived in Wisconsin since 1999 when I left for college. So um, I feel like it's especially helpful for me because this, you know, I don't, I don't talk about the bucks, you know, at work or, you know, to my neighbors because they don't care about the bucks <laughs> yeah. in Wisconsin. So um, it's always been a very, I think, um, fun thing for me to have this as an outlet, whether previously writing now, now podcasting. Um, I really don't miss writing, writing at all. I mean, I have not yeah. written a single word. I thought, well, maybe I'll write like some medium stuff from time to time on medium or something like that from time to time. No, no desire. I don't think, I don't think the world is missing my writing. I think we're fine. Uh, I'm able to do what I need to do via Twitter and podcasting and it's all good. And it's a way easier to podcast and it's more social. And now I get to talk to you, Kane. So it's all good. So anyway, so that's my, I don't know. That's my story. Did I, did I miss anything? I probably, I think that's probably sufficient. No, it's, uh, I, I don't, I mean, you, you, I've obviously heard that before and I, I think that you, you hit all the main points that I, I think that uh, Jake would have been interested in, but you mentioned that this pod started uh, back in 2016, I think it was, episode 781, this is, just for, <laughs> just for a, an indication of uh, how many podcasts you've done. And it's still crazy to me to even think that uh, we started doing this at the, just the start of the season, maybe the week before opening night, I would say um, this season when I, when I jumped on board and this is already uh, this would, this would be episode 137 for me uh, since October. So it's fair to say um, it's fair to say uh, we pump out these podcasts, but the other thing I want to say, shout out to Alex Bodo. Now, if people didn't recognize that name, he, he is the guy that you read on, on bucks.com. Uh, he's still pumping out stuff over at the at the Bucks website, so uh, still covering the team, everyone, but in in different in different ways. This is an interesting one, still from Jake. Now it's a little bit dark, I will admit this, but he <laughs> says he says if COVID nineteen became a zombie apocalypse, which current Bucks player would you want to buddy up with to survive? Now I I know I, I thought about this and it took me um, uh, just a little bit to figure out exactly which direction I wanted to go. But then there was a very obvious answer for me. Uh, I, I'm interested to see which direction you go before I spoil that. So zombie apocalypse. So I mean, I guess you would want. I mean, one angle would be find people that could potentially protect you. Um, I guess the the flip side would be, uh, you know, they might just, uh, you know, the, what what is the, the old thing, you know, um, uh, what's what's the joke, right? Like a like a herd of of, you know, animals or whatever, just like the the weak ones get left yeah. behind or whatever. So so clearly that, that I would be that, uh, regardless of which box player it was. But um, I mean, the two obvious options would be, you know, if you pick a an Adeta Kumbo or a Lopez. I, do you get a package deal there? Are they going to hang yeah. out together? Like I'm, I'm sure Giannis and Thanasis would stick together during the zombie apocalypse, sure. throw in, throw in Alex. So, you know, if, if you could latch onto the Adetokumbo um, crew, then, uh, then that could be potentially helpful. Cause then you, you got more people to, to hang with and you know, they're some of the most large and athletic people uh, in the world. So that, so that seems like a, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. The Lopez brother, I mean, the Lopez brothers would be, you know, they're enormous. Um, and also, I mean, they're smart, they're Stanford guys, right? So they're intelligent. And I think we would get along well. I mean, I think Robin's hilarious. His Twitter is awesome. Brooke doesn't have a Twitter, but he's generally seems like a very cool, fun, amusing guy. Um, I mean, I'm not quite as big a Disney fan as they are, but I mean, I like, I like uh, Star Wars a lot. So I don't know, like it, 
all maybe maybe all around just for you know combination of um people that you would feel confident if uh you had to you know drop gloves or, or i don't know what you're doing you're probably just running from zombies i don't know if you're trying to fight them but um the lopez brothers are probably a pretty good combination of smart huge athletic uh and seem like really fun interesting dudes so if you had to you know god forbid hunker down during a zombie apocalypse and you know play board games something like that they seem like pretty good options but um I don't know. I have not, I have not gone through the entire roster. So it's very possible. I I missed someone, Um, you know, but, but I don't know. Who were you thinking? So you've certainly, the the size aspect that you mentioned, I think is definitely a good point. I I think that having a physically huge human by your side seems like a a pretty nice thing to have, but uh, I'm going with George Hill because this guy, I, I think like when I think about the Bucks roster, who might be the most, resourceful guy if you're you know the old story if you're stuck on an island in terms of finding food surviving hunting doing all those things george hill's the guy we know oh yeah george hill that's right george hill he lives on the ranch he's got all these animals already he hunts he fishes i just think like uh I, i said this recently but a few weeks ago i was staying with a friend and they got me onto for the first time in my life i watched the tv show naked and afraid which by the way is just a completely insane tv show but i i i just like when i when i think about like that's what it would be like that's what this uh, zombie apocalypse would be like you'd be by yourself maybe not naked like that doesn't seem like a, a necessary thing to to be but uh if you need someone that can survive in the elements in all elements under under these extreme circumstances i think george hill's the guy he's he seems like someone that would be able to uh like i said find your food fight off whatever you needed to fight off. I think that he might be the most resourceful buck in a zombie apocalypse on the roster right now. That That's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. The outdoorsy person is, uh, is, is that that's the skill set that, uh, that I was missing uh, with, uh, with my selections. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I can't argue with there. So anyone else or should we move on? I, I also thought of Kyle Korver. Seems like a smart guy. He's a veteran. Yeah savvy uh we're the same age which um you know kyle makes me feel a little less old because he's still in the nba (laughs) and um everybody else who's played in the nba who's my age is generally not in the nba anymore so um so yeah but uh that's that's a good one i think george hill if you're gonna pick one george hill's uh that that's that's a really good option he wears a cowboy hat too i think sometimes that's a that's a great option so i'm sold all right next question Next question comes from Justin. He asked, that's at, I didn't really know how to say some of these Twitter names, but at Bednarsik23. Uh, Justin asks, and this one is, is dark for um, different reasons. <laughs> this, is, this is basketball-related question, but also a little bit dark. He asks, if Bledsoe disappears in the playoffs again, will he be gone next season? Uh, it says who would be a possible replacement. That is going to be a little bit difficult to, to say right now. But, um, and obviously right now, I mean, we know, we don't know what's going to happen with postseason. We don't know whether it's going to happen. Uh, I've found myself over the last year, even after last year's playoffs, potentially being, uh, I don't know whether a Bledsoe defender is the right word. I, I thought that he was better than made out to be in the postseason last year. Clearly the Eastern Conference Finals were a bit of a disaster, but, but they were for a bunch of guys. Um, there's no doubt about that, particularly shooting the ball. I don't know. I mean, we know that uh, Bledsoe's in the first year of this contract extension. I don't think that it's a, a terrible contract by any means. It's still sort of mid-level for a point guard. For a guy that is coming off uh, first team, all defense, regular season the year before, and even this year was playing um, some pretty good basketball in the, in, in the regular season, To you know, if, if we're being honest about it. So I think that if he really uh, fell over during the playoffs again, then there would certainly be... Uh, some question marks over what you do with him. But as we've said before, uh, I think that the more that that happens, the more the market kind of shrinks for him also, because that would be, you know, now three years in a row where he's had pretty suspect performances in the postseason. But uh, I I don't know. I don't know where you want to start with this one, whether you think that he would be a guy that would be easily moved moving forward, whether you think that the Bucs, that would be the final straw for him and, and they would want to move. Uh, where, do you, where do you sit on Bledsoe? 
If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Bucks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Milwaukee Bucks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Milwaukee Bucks fans that are well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to double three triple seven or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get the team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you guys. Uh, I mean, if, if the Bucks fall short and it's, you know, if if a lot of that blame goes to Bledsoe, I, I man, it's pretty tough to kind of yeah. keep running it back, right? Um, especially, you know, in your, your worst case scenario that, you know, Bledsoe stinks it up and then, um, you know, you're you're running it back. If Giannis didn't sign an extension, God forbid, um, th- that's probably the, the doomsday and scenario. Yeah. And, and, in, and in that scenario, yeah, I mean, do you – do you have the guts to run it back with, with him again, knowing what might happen? Um, so I think there would be a high likelihood that he would be gone, but, but the problem is it's like, I mean, this is what we've talked about. I mean, you know, a 30 year old athletic, but you know, still dependent on his physicality player with a suspect playoff record. Who's like buying in on that type of player. Right. Yeah. I mean, his contract is relative to other starting uh, point guards who are you know not on rookie contracts, but basically all the like veteran point guards um, of his like level of productivity. I mean, he's he's very like you know reasonably paid, um, but obviously if you know you can't afford to, to take him into the playoffs anymore, um, then it just becomes really hard because you know as a play a playoff team probably is going to say, well, uh, we don't we don't like that. Um, but the flip side is. I mean, a young rebuilding team isn't going to look at him as a long-term answer either. So, um, so he, it puts you in a really, really difficult spot. And, you know, I, I mean, unfortunately, I think if you're, you know, thinking about like, who do you replace him with? Um, you know, you're looking at most likely a lot of guys that are, um, have been much less productive players than him, you know, especially during like the regular season. Right. I mean, like, you know, and, and I think we, t- I think Eric, I don't know if Eric and I talked about it last summer or, or if we talked about it, but you know, you can draw up a list of like guys who at some point were considered to be up and coming or decent, but have dropped off from there, you know, and you know, do you really want to hit your wagon to those guys? I mean, you know, I think what is Dennis Schroeder going to be, I think a, a expiring contract next summer, you know, again, like, are you feeling great about Dennis Schroeder, who, I mean, I think fit in well, has fit in well in, in Oklahoma City, but, you know, is, is him as your starting point guard, you know, with Giannis's future uh, hanging in the balance, man, that's, that's, that's pretty scary. Um, so, I mean, there's just kind of guys like that. I think um, probably a, an interesting one, which would be hard to make con- work contractually, but um, Mike Conley Jr. has had a tough season, obviously, in Utah. So I kind of wonder, like, if, if Utah, you know, let's assume the playoffs happen and, and Utah is a first or second round out and Mike Conley is also does not redeem himself um, in Utah, you know, could you, would you dare to bet on Mike Conley as just needing a change of scenery? Um, or, you know, the flip side is he's even older than Bledsoe. So, like, you know, you could be attaching yourself to a guy who's making significantly more money um, who could put you in, you know, who, who may not solve any of your problems. Right. With a seemingly um, failing uh, jump shot, which was, which yeah. uh, again, that, that was, that, that was the kind of scary thing when I was watching the jazz this year and, and Conley, he, he couldn't make a shot. Yeah. And I mean, fortunately his, I mean, his three point percentage is up to basically exactly his career average, just try at 38%, but his floater game has pretty much evaporated. His rim yeah. finishing is, isn't there anymore. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there, there's some issues there. I mean, I think probably the guy that, you know, even last summer people talked about and, and, you know, people have tried to do the math on is, is Chris Paul, right? 
Uh, and does is there some play for Chris Paul that a team like the Bucks could make? Again, um, it, it's just really hard to make the numbers work um, just because <clears throat> Chris Paul's contract is so enormous. And Bledsoe is, like we said, is actually, you know, what Bledsoe makes, what half of what Chris Paul makes, like less than that. Uh, so to make the math work on a trade, you have to add in a ton of other salary. And, you know, I haven't done the math again. Um, you know, I haven't looked at what it would take next year, next cap season to, to make the math work, but it, it's difficult. Right. Um, and so, again, I think certainly, you know, I mean, even this season, would you feel better about the Bucks' chances with Eric Bledsoe or Chris Paul? I'd say probably a no brainer, right. Especially, um, you know, given the way Paul has played this year, but um, again, like that's kind of one of those things that, that we'd have to kind of revisit in the summer uh, and, and probably do the math and see like, what would it, what would it even take? Um, because uh, again, um, it's, it's just kind of tough to, to make the deal work. And obviously I think as well, like Oklahoma city, um, I mean, they're not going to, they're not looking to salary dump Chris Paul, right? Like they, uh, they, they would want something, I think for him, they'd expect more than just Eric Bledsoe and filler probably. Right. Uh, especially given that they have, a multitude of, of point guard options there um, going on. So I, I don't know. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's other guys, um, you know, like Boyan Bogdanovich or sorry, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, you know, I had sort of thought about early in the season in the summer as a trade target, potentially as a kind of blood. So fallback as well. He's a, you know, can kind of play both, both guard spots. Uh, he's going to be a restricted free agent this summer. So uh, again, like, is there some scenario if the, Kings liked Eric Bledsoe for whatever reason that you could do like a sign and trade. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Right. Like if you threw some, you know, if you threw the bucks for Jean pick along with Bledsoe or something like that and a sign and trade for Bogdanovich, that's possible. Right. That, that actually might be um, the kind of move, especially if you want to add shooting and, and again, Bogdanovich obviously hasn't really had playoff opportunities in Sacramento, uh, but he's a guy who's played at a really high level internationally. He's one of those kind of guys. I don't think you worry about, um, you know, being, you know, not being able to kind of play in big moments, but we haven't seen it in the NBA level either. So I don't know. That's just some freeform thinking about what might happen uh, if kind of the worst case scenario crops up with Eric Blood. So again, um, what's what, what's what's your thoughts? You think he's he's gone? Anybody that we haven't mentioned that that you could see the Bucks kind of maybe making a play for or thinking about? Well, I think the interesting thing about Bledsoe and the fact that they did sign him to that extension and then bring back all the other guys that we that we know with Brooke Lopez, George Hill, uh, these guys, obviously Chris Middleton. You sort of touched on it at the start there that things could potentially change a little bit, uh, you know, based on whether or not you can sign Giannis to an extension because if you do manage and we've, we've been through this before whether it's a, a two-year deal for Giannis or whether he does go for the the longer extension providing he stays here in Milwaukee then things change a little bit we knew coming into this season that this was a pivotal season for the Bucks and they couldn't really afford uh, to take a step back and the interesting thing to note when you when you're looking at Bledsoe's contract, uh, the 15.6 million this year is is fine. I mean, that's a that's a perfectly reasonable contract that goes up to 16.8 next year, and then 18.1 in uh, 21, 22, and then the final year of that deal when he is 32 years old, there's only 3.9 million guaranteed on that. So, uh, you know, I mean, per, unless something crazy happens, you would you would probably believe that that uh, $19 million at that point, 19.3, depending on where he is, may may not be uh, picked up. But uh, I think that if you can sign Giannis to extension, I just think that the pressure is ever so slightly eased a little bit. Not that you're going to take your foot off the gas and not try and win a championship, but I think the the desperation of this year, we can't uh, at all afford to make a mistake that's bring back the guys that we know I think contributed to a lot of this so I think certainly things could change and if things didn't go well in the playoffs then I would uh you know I would probably suggest that they'd be they'd be looking to move him and you mentioned the first round pick and if you want to go back to anything you can but there's a question from Bucks fan for life three and he asked about the the pick that they have from the paces that they got in the in the trade the sign and trade uh with Indiana and Malcolm Brogdon obviously involved in that right now sits at pick 19. I thought around the trade deadline that this was obviously a pick that 
the Bucks would be looking to move. And I still believe that that was the case. From certainly from what I hear, there was there was calls being made. The deal didn't come through. Uh, but I, I think that at some point, this Bucks roster is not young. It's a, it's a, it's an old roster. It's an older roster. And maybe you can uh, package that pick with something to get a. Uh, a guy that's been in the league for a few years. You already mentioned a guy like Bogdanovich, but I, I do think that the Bucks would be uh, smart to try and get some younger guys in the roster that can contribute. And pick 19 right now, we spoke about DiVincenzo a lot in part one of the mailbag. He was pick 17. It's difficult in that range to get a guy that's going to be able to contribute straight away. It's, it's not always the case. We've seen the Bucks haven't had... Uh, you know, a lot of success. I mean, obviously Giannis was the, was the, the home run, the once-in-a-lifetime home run. But it's, it's a difficult pick to pick up a guy that's going to contribute straight away. I don't know. I think in some ways the Bucks would be good, would be smart to bring in a rookie on the roster, a young guy. Uh, but at the same time, we've seen that guys that are potentially NBA players, you know, you talk about Christian Wood, you talk about you know, maybe Dragon Bender this, this season, guys that get squeezed out because there just simply isn't, uh, minutes on a team that's trying to contend for a championship. So I think it's a delicate balance. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think the, um, I mean, I, I've generally always been sort of a keep your picks, you yeah. know, make sure you have cheap guys on the roster that hopefully can, you know, maybe not as rookies or you know, sometimes maybe not as second years, but maybe you can get, you know, a couple of years of, you know, cheap production out of guys as they mature and, uh, yeah and become useful NBA players. Uh, obviously kind of, you look at those guys on the current bucks, um, current version of the bucks, and it's been a mixed bag, right? And Vincenzo obviously had gotten rotation minutes as a rookie, maybe wasn't very productive in those minutes, but you know, I think it was not shocking that he would uh, claim minutes this year, even with kind of a log jam of, of guards and, and wings uh, uh, on the roster. But, you know, certainly that's not what you would expect to get from that part of the draft, right? You don't expect to get a guy that uh, plays every night and, and makes really meaningful contributions to a team that has the best record in the league. Um, so, you know, if you can get another Dante DiVincenzo, man, that's great. But, you know, more likely you're you're going to get probably a Sterling Brown or, or a DJ Wilson, who obviously, you know, DJ shows real flashes of being able to be a, a contributing role player as a sophomore. And then in his third year, obviously, he's just kind of completely fallen off the map. Sterling, not quite so extreme. You know, Sterling has sort of shown, I think, some useful abilities and um, I don't want to say just moments, but, you know, stretches of, of pretty useful play on the wing off the bench um, kind of in every season. But but just especially this season, I think he's just been disappointed. He hasn't really been able to kind of make a, a clear leap forward. So, um you know, and that's that's the kind of the challenge, and that's why teams in the buck spot often trade these picks because you end up oftentimes waiting around and then not really getting much of a payoff. Um, so, especially in this draft, and again, I know I know probably less about this draft than you know any draft in recent memory. I did not know much about last draft either, but this draft, you know, all we ever hear is that it's bad, <laughs> it's bad, and then it's not very, you know, not nearly as talented as what we're used to seeing. So. Um, I don't know. I'm always a little wary of, of kind of those type of pronouncements because, you know, again, like the 2013 draft was supposed to be bad. And then the 2014 draft was supposed to be an all timer and the Bucks got Giannis in 2013 at 15 and they got Jabari Parker at two in 2014. Right. So um, the history is often um, not kind to our kind of blanket prognostications like this, but um, you know, it's the best we know at this point uh, that, that it doesn't necessarily look like a great draft. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think, again, I, I don't think it's a, uh, some huge failure if the Bucks actually have to use this pick. And hopefully they, uh, you know, hopefully they have as much luck with this pick as they did with Dante. Um, but by the same token, uh, are there other moves you could make with that pick? You know, that that's going to be an obvious question. And especially strange because, you know, we don't know when the draft's going to be. We don't know how it's going to align to the rest of the NBA calendar. If it's just going to be shifted back equally with the NBA calendar, that, that would be probably the simplest thing. But, um, you know, what, what kind of moves would the Bucks even possibly be looking to make at that point? Um, would it be something trying to get rid of Eric Bledsoe or upgrade the point guard position? Who knows? Um, I think one positive, you know, last year, it was very obvious that they had some contracts that they might want to move. Um, this year, 
really not the case. I mean, there's no, you know, kind of Tony Snell type contract on the roster where it's a guy that, that you just clearly would rather kind of move on from. Um, you know, you look at, at just the deals that they're on the hook for for 2021. You mentioned Bledsoe at 16.9, Middleton at 33, Giannis at 27. Um, you know, those are your kind of, well, offensively, your three most, you're, you're kind of like your, your scorers, right? And then you got George Hill at just under 10 million. Obviously, you know, the way he's been playing, you feel totally fine with that next year, especially given the kind of the blood situation. Um, but other than that, I mean, Urson uh, has his non-guaranteed year coming up. So, uh, you know, presumably at 7 million won't get picked up. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got Brooke at almost 13, Robin at five and DJ at four and a half. You know, I mean, there's, there's no, there's no like, well, trade that guy with a first round pick to, to get rid of his salary type move. Um, so again, they may try to shed like the DJ contract, for instance, but, um, you know, hopefully if they do end up making a trade, it will be more of a, you know, make yourselves better type trade, not a get rid of some salary so that you can do something else type move, which obviously are a lot less fun. So the one thing I will say before we move on, it's been, it's been so long since the Bucks had an Australian on the roster. Uh, Josh Green out of Arizona right now is projected in that 15 to 25 range. Uh, he's 6'5". He's a guard, uh, guard slash wing. Really, really good defender, super athletic. Uh, some question marks on his jump shot, which obviously would be a problem in the Bucks system. But, hey, if they're going to take the pick, let's get an Aussie back on the Bucks. But at Spags, ask the question. And I feel like, I keep on saying this, I feel like this has been a, a somewhat uh, negative podcast today. But this question asks from Spags, what is the worst contract in Bucks, uh, in Bucks history. Now, there's been some ones that have obviously uh, frustrated people over the years. I think I think uh, some of the ones you may look at, Michael Red. now obviously for reasons outside of his control, obviously uh, tore his ACL on multiple occasions, but he got a six-year, $91 million deal back in 2005, which uh, by these days, six years, $91 million. I mean, we know, we know times have changed. But it's funny to hear that number and think about how big of a contract that was at the time uh, after he, he got the deal. Uh, I'm looking at it here. And he played 186 games across the next five seasons. So uh, obviously uh, didn't pan out. And what was a, a tough time for the Bucks franchise, obviously didn't win a whole lot of games. Danny G, six years, 36 million back in 2005 when the Bucks seemed to have a, a million big men on their roster. I don't know why they had so many centers back then. Bobby Simmons from the same year, four years, forty-seven million. The Bucks were spending uh, some bucks. That's uh, some bucks. Pun the pun. That summer, and uh, what, what other ones would come to mind? Tim Thomas. He had a huge deal. I think that was around six years, sixty million back after a, a pretty good playoff run uh, back in two thousand, two thousand and one. And I hate to do this, but one that I have to think about. My guy Dally. I respect him. <laughs> I respect him. I love him. I, I think that he deserved it for grinding. He, wasn't, he wasn't, uh, wasn't drafted. He gets himself a $40 million deal. He's set for life. But at no stage was that a contract if you, if you watched the Bucks or had any emotional connection to the Bucks that you felt good about. I mean, let's, let's be honest about that. Where do you sit in the contract, uh, in the contract conversation? And, and you can't say Chris Milton. Because uh, there may still be, there may still be some people out there that want to say Chris Milton. That's out of the conversation. So I think the criteria for worst contract, like it, it has to like in and and we have to look back on it. So the there's one really obvious one that um, that you didn't <laughs> that, that I don't think you mentioned. I think I know which was Miles Miles Plumley. Four years, fifty two million. I think it was um, in what like a summer twenty sixteen. Um, and so the, I think the like important criteria here is that, um, it should have been like a bad, con- like to be the worst contract, it should have been like a bad contract immediately. Like Michael Red, I don't think qualifies because yeah. Red gave you what, like a couple good years. And then, I mean, look, okay. So I remember, I remember interviewing John Hammond in the summer of 2008. It was the day after the draft, John Joe Alexander gets drafted and I'll say this now because this is 11 years ago, 12 years ago, <laughs> Jesus, 12 years ago, John's in Orlando. This is ancient history. But he told me off the record, he was like, well, you know, 
he, he talked about, and this is, I mean, this isn't like shocking, but like Cleveland had offered them basically like expiring contracts and a first round pick for Michael Red. Um, but like they were felt like they were kind of stuck and they, they couldn't make that, that trade in 2008, I guess. Um, and so, I mean, again, like that just sort of tells you, like, I mean, look, if Michael Red could have been salary dumped for a first round pick two, three years after he signed the contract, then to me, it's not, it can't be the worst contract because that means you could have gotten out from under it like really easily for quite a while. Right. Um, and so I compare that to like the, the Gads reach and Plumlee deals, which, you know, I think there are some really sobering parallels between those two contracts because they were both deals that um, were for, you know, energy big men who did not have a lot of skill, but were good at dunking defensively we're fine, but like, you know, probably we're not as good as their athleticism and kind of highlight real stuff would make them seem. Um, and, you know, did not look like they were like, you know, they were like role-playing guys. They were clearly not, I mean, it, yes, they, they did start at times, at, you know, in their careers, but it was not because of, you know, they were beating out quality players. Um, so I think both those contracts just immediately looked bad. And I mean, the gods are each one was just so flagrant because you had literally just drafted Andrew Bogut first overall. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think there should have been any illusion that you're going to play Bogut and God's reach together. Uh, so that, that, that deal was just such a head scratcher six years, you know, six years and 36 million, which again, seems like not a huge number, but keep in mind, I think the salary cap in 2005, 06 was 50 million even. And so, you know, that's literally half of less than half of where we are now. Right. So, it's kind of the equivalent of like basically doubling that. Right. Um, and the other piece of that, that, that too, is, I mean, they, they picked him over Zaza Pachulia, right. People might remember or younger fans may not remember, but Zaza and Gads were both on that 0405 team. That was kind of a pleasant surprise. And Zaza, they opted not to retain. I think he got four years, 16 million from the Hawks and the Bucks said, eh, restricted, you can go. And then they end up paying way more for for Dan Katsarich, who turned out to be a, clearly a worse player, uh, and at you know roughly well not quite double the salary, but but a lot more money, and and obviously he was a guy that they just you know they could trade. So I think I think put through those lenses, I think uh, there's definitely a good arm for Katsarich and also Plumley. Um, yeah, I mean Plumley was just pretty flagrant. I mean you had you had Greg Monroe, you had John Henson on his big extension. And then on top of that, you know, you, you sign, uh, sign Plumlee to that contract. It was just, just kind of, just kind of crazy that, that, uh, that the Bucks gave him that deal. And I mean, still just totally remarkable to me that, um, that they were able to trade that contract uh, as quickly <laughs> as they did. And I guess that was, that was August, 2016. So they had just drafted Thon too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I, man, it was bad at the time, but like in hindsight it's even worse. Who does he play for in Australia now? He's in, he was in the finals against Bogan, right? Yeah, yeah, he plays for the Perth Wildcats and uh it was so funny because um you know, from all reports and, and while I was in Milwaukee I wasn't watching a lot of Australian basketball, but from all reports he's been terrible. He's been awful. And uh so I didn't see game 1 or 2. Um, because I was first of all still in Milwaukee, and then for game two I was I was traveling, so I didn't see any of this. But I watched game three as it was really, uh, let's be honest, there was no other sport on. So I watched this game, and it's interesting to see Plumlee and Bogut playing against each other in Australia. And the first five minutes of this game, the announcers were just destroying Plumlee the whole time. They said he's been awful. He shouldn't even be starting. He shouldn't be on the court. And then he came out and played really well. And, and Perth won the game. And then ultimately the, the, the series got uh, canned and, and they cancelled it and Perth won 2-1, even though it was a, a best of five series. So um, it, it was just funny to hear that uh, this is a guy that... And they brought up the contract on the, on the broadcast. They brought up how much money he was earning in the NBA. And like you said, that was not that long ago. I mean, he's, he's of the age that he should be still in the league. Uh, and, and that just goes to show you how quickly... Uh, that one fell apart. But another one that I, I do want to mention, and, and this, you know, fell apart for different reasons, but Larry Sanders, I mean, if you talk about, if you want to talk about getting absolutely zero value for money, uh, Sanders was a guy that uh, when you talk about 
the Miles Plumley uh, contract and potentially even the Thonmaker draft pick. If if Larry Sanders is around now, he was never really a guy that shot the ball. So does, how how does he stick in the league as as the game sort of transformed? Not really sure. I mean, that's not something we're ever going to know. But as a as a rim protector, a guy that could run the floor, uh, Sanders seemed like a, a guy that would fit in with the defensive. Scheme certainly that they're playing now. I mean, you know, this this is a long way down the path. But in terms of the Bucks getting absolutely nothing for an investment they made, and a significant investment, and one that has still hurt them to this day <laughs> in a in a smaller uh, dollar amount, the Larry Sanders contract was an absolute disaster. Yeah, and and that's right. I mean, it, it, it's funny because it, it. I mean, if I apply my criteria that I mentioned before. Um, I mean, I thought it was good value at the time of the signing, not knowing yeah. what was about to happen. But then, you know, you're right. Like, it, it just went off the rails pretty much immediately. And um, knowing what we obviously know now about, you know, Larry's past and kind of, you know, the way things kind of spiraled out of control in Milwaukee, you know, you do just wonder, like, shouldn't the Bucks have kind of known better uh, given kind of what, everything that happened up to that. And, and obviously, you know, but you say this, it was not, not that say it was predictable what happened. I don't think it was predictable, but um, there was clearly risk there that, um, that the bucks didn't, didn't factor in correctly, obviously. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a sad one because he was awesome the year before he got his extension. And I think he actually would have, um, I think he would have, uh, you know, if if he had been able to kind of hold it, hold his life together, I think he would have actually um, been totally fine as the league kind of changed. Because again, just his versatility, especially you think about like that period where you know we were all trying to find ways to get switchable big men. Yeah. Obviously, Larry's foot speed and um, you know his ability, his ability to play pick and roll, all that. I mean, he he you know, he obviously wasn't a shooter, um, but he had obviously a, a skill set uh, defensively that was just amazing to watch you know, and maybe it was only for that one season in its entirety but um but yeah he was a guy that uh that just you know again it's it's kind of crazy just how how good he was for that one season and then you know really really never again so um you know kind of i guess sort of emblematic of that 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 season where you know he leaves and it's the worst season in bucks history right the, the season that where where his buyout happened and you know to be honest like, i mean I, I still look back on that buyout, I think what they paid him 14 million of his remaining salary or something like that. I think, um, I think the bucks were actually really fortunate, right? Like we, you know, people, I think understandably still complain about seeing his cap number, um, uh, on the bucks, uh, cap sheet, right. I mean, they're owing him about 1.9 million through the 21, 22 season. <laughs> but, um, I mean to only, I think he was what in the first year of that contract, I think it was yeah. like 44 million. And, um, you know, he had a well over $30 million owed to him. And if he just, you know, kind of basically just sat past, you know, stood pat, um, he would have gotten probably most of that, but they ended up paying him just 13 million over the seven years. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it, that cap number, you know, that, that annual number we see that could actually be a lot worse. I think, uh, interestingly, I think clearly a mistake was, the fact that the Bucks stretched that contract rather than just trying to eat it over a shorter yep. period. Not surprising. Teams are always short-sighted about these types of things. Nobody wants to say like, oh, well, the next, you know, three years, like we'll just eat this bigger cap number. Um, but obviously, you know, in hindsight, Bucks weren't exactly um, doing gangbusters or doing a whole lot uh, with, with the money back back then. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's been a sufficient downer. Thanks. Thanks, this this is the uh, this is the uh, depressing podcast that we're going to go through in the mailbag. Uh, one final thing on Larry Sanders: you said that, that the figure one point eight around one point nine million that they're going to be paying uh, through twenty twenty one twenty two. Uh, Larry Sanders' last game with the Bucks, December twenty three, two thousand uh, and fourteen, and he's still on the books to the end of the 2022 season. It's incredible the way that that panned out. And as you said, kind of sad because uh, he was a player that, that I certainly enjoyed watching and was, was pretty excited about. But <laughs> all right, I, I'm going to try and bring this back up. I've got one more question that I want to get to. We've still got so many. So this is going to still take a while before we get through right to the end of the mailbag. But this one is from our, uh, our regular listener. He's, on, he's very active on Twitter. 
David Dunn, at David Dunn, Elijah Price, he asks, best performance by an actor in a dramatic role? He gives four options, Frank. Option one, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in Game of Death. B, Marcus Johnson in White Men Can't Jump. C, Ray Allen in He Got Game. Or D, Terry Cummings in Love and Basketball. Now, you're, you're the, uh, you are the movie guy. You are the TV guy. I've honestly only seen two of them. I've seen White Man Can't Jump and He Got Game. Have you seen all of these movies, first of all? I guess that's probably the, the first question. No, I, so I actually am weirdly disinterested in sports movies. I have <laughs> seen shockingly few of the like seminal basketball movies that are out there. Um, like I saw, let's see, what basketball movies have I seen? I saw Blue Chips at some point, like randomly on TV. Um, I saw uh, White Men Can't Jump like maybe a year ago, which is crazy that it took me that long to see White Men Can't Jump. I mainly saw it because I felt bad with Marcus being, you know, my guy on the Bucks broadcast and knowing that he's got a very memorable role in that and never, <laughs> never having seen the movie. Um, uh, and then I don't, I'm not familiar with the, that Kareem role. I mean, I would have thought airplane, right? Airplane or heck. I, I think I saw the clip of him in, uh, is it enter the dragon or way of the dragon? One of the Chuck, uh, one of the Bruce Lee movies. You've lost where, me really? You, you don't, are you not aware of this? That Kareem fights Bruce no. Lee in a movie? No, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen the, at least the clip of it. It's pretty bizarre. Um, Especially because, like, I don't know, you don't think of, like, athletes. For I mean, it's just, like, weird that, that he was even acting, I guess. But I would have said Airplane for uh, for him. And then it's it's bad, but I never saw He Got Game, which is crazy because Ray Allen was a buck yeah. at the time that he filmed that. Uh, but I guess that just underscores that I was, ne- I was never as big a Ray Allen fan as you would have expected me to be. I was always a big, big dog loyalist, uh, which I can't really justify at this point, but... I just big dog was like the the savior when they got the the first OR pick in 94. And I just kind of, I don't know. I just always like, he was my guy, even though, especially in hindsight, Ray was the better player. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Somehow I never, uh, never connected with Ray so much. And I, for whatever reason, never watched, he got game. So I, I don't know, but I will have to say this. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Like Ray Allen, I mean, being, I mean, it's not like he was just had a cameo, right? <laughs> like yeah. normally with athletes are in movies, they have cameos. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna say he was the. I don't know if he, I would say he's the main character in that movie, but you know, he was. He's at least the like primary supporting character, right, but behind Denzel in that movie. So, pretty, pretty amazing. You know, that in such a high-profile Spike Lee movie, that uh, that Ray was the guy. So I, I have to basically, I, I have to pretty much withhold my vote because I don't, I, I don't think I know enough whether to to, to be able to uh, to be able to pick one. By the way, um. Did you know Larry Sanders was in a movie? <laughs> I, I, I did not, but this is, this it is, it was, it was, uh, I think it was while he was, um, yeah, it was before he left the NBA. It was in a movie called <laughs> movie 43, which, um, yeah. Movie 43 features seemingly half of Hollywood, Halle Berry, Elizabeth Banks, Kristen Bell, Gerard Butler, Terrence Howard, Hugh Jackman, Johnny Knoxville, J.B. Smooth, Emma Stone, Jason Sudeikis, Uma Thurman, Naomi Watts, Richard Gere, and Kate Winslet are among the big names in the movie. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird comedy movie. I, I, I have not seen it. It got horrible reviews. Um, but uh, Sanders plays a basketball player who, along with Denver Nuggets forward Corey Brewer and Phoenix Suns forward Jared Dudley, shout out to Jared Dudley. He retweeted <laughs> me the other day. Shout out to Duds. Uh, is shown in the trail getting a pregame pep talk from his coach played by Howard. So he was playing a basketball player. So exactly, not, maybe not a stretch, but uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't have an answer, but I will give you at least one more random bit of trivia that Larry Sanders was in a movie before he basically, you know, got a bunch of money to go screw around and do art or whatever he ended up doing post basketball. So um, there you go. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we've really come full circle here and I, I, I probably couldn't think of a better way to, to wrap this up then about, uh, well, let me say one, one other note just on, on Whiteman can't jump. Um, the Bucks did kind of a, like, like a, a little teaser on Twitter, um, around the Whiteman can't jump stuff for Pat Connaughton yeah. with Marcus. Um, but I have to say 
I would have really, it would have been even cooler. And I don't, again, I don't know how much like the average fans in the stadium would have like understood that Marcus Johnson actually played, you know, that character from the movie. Uh, it would have been especially awesome if they could have somehow worked Marcus into uh, Pat's dunk contest stuff. Cause I mean, that that's like just perfect. Right. Cause I mean, Pat being a white, being a white guy in the dunk contest, white men can't jump makes total sense. But then you have, one of the guys who was in the movie as your, you know, color commentator for your team, he's around, he's available. He's an actor. He's awesome. He's Marcus. Uh, it would have been that much cooler if they could have somehow figured out some, some way. I don't know if, you know, Marcus would have gone to go get his gun and I don't know, Pat would have dunked out of fear or something. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's best that they didn't try to figure something there. But uh, anyway, just, just, yeah, one last thought. We can, we can break it there though. Yeah, well, uh, again, I, I think most people know at this point, I'm I'm a very loyal Ray Allen fan. And uh, like I said, I haven't seen all of those movies anyway, but but uh, he got game. Ray Allen gets my vote uh, either way. But, well, I think we might be approaching the halfway point here, although I, I haven't checked the, the Gmail to see if there's any, if there's any more uh, questions in that. I'll get to that over the weekend. But uh, week one of the hiatus, Frank, we got through it. Uh, we don't really know how many weeks uh, we have ahead of us doing podcasts uh, without any actual basketball to talk. But uh, like I said, right from the start of the week, you guys, if there's anything that you want to hear, if there's anything you want us to talk about or, uh, or, or try out on the podcast, then let us know because uh, let's be honest, we've got time. I, I'm still in isolation over here in Australia. I, I told Frank, this is, this, is, this is the highlight of my day. I don't have much else going on right now. And I know a lot of other people are uh, in the same boat, stuck at home and working from home and, and all those types of things. So we are here to hopefully bring a little bit of entertainment. So uh, just just let us know if there's anything you want us to do. And as I have been every day, I'm going to promote another podcast on the network today, the Locked On NBA podcast. You can find that daily as you can with Locked On Bucks. If you want a little bit more of a broader uh, podcast about the NBA and what's going on around the league uh, right now. It's uh, There's not a lot of good news, but if you want to catch up on all that, the Locked On NBA uh, podcast is a good one to listen to, Frank. So I hope you have a good weekend. Uh, I, I don't know what you have planned. I assume not much. No offense. <laughs> no, I'm my, my, uh, uh, I mean, I was talking to my wife. I was like, I, I told her, like, you know, we're, we're relatively well suited toward, uh, you know, this yeah. whole, uh, pandemic because like we're kind of homebodies anyway and you know I, I like to get out of the house just to like run errands and stuff so I'm I'm, I'm pretty useful in that regard so I, I still can do that um, so yeah it's you know I mean again I'm considering myself thankful a lot of people aren't don't don't have uh, the same same benefit to work from home and um, be able to kind of you know not have to totally change what they're doing the way the way we have but uh, aside from you know, not having daycare, that's been the kind of the, the big adjustment factor, but it's, it's been okay, but it feels like it's been forever since like the end of the week canceled, right? Like it's hard to believe that was just a little over a week ago that, that all this started. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, probably go to the playground with my daughter. Um, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I'm kind of at a loss, I guess, just watch, watch some more TV shows and movies. We're, we're watching, uh, we're catching up on Better Call Saul. Um, yep. We uh, we watched the first three seasons and then kind of just never got around to watching last season. So we're watching season four and I guess season five just started. So Better Call Saul, good show, especially uh, we start with Breaking Bad and then uh, check out Better Call Saul if, uh, if people haven't. Eric uh, just started Breaking Bad or he's about to start Breaking Bad, I guess, which uh, longtime fans of the pod know that Eric Eric watches movies. But for some reason, he's never been a a, a TV like series watcher, which I always found weird. Cause like, I don't think he plays video games and he's not like married or he doesn't have kids or anything. So I'm always kind of like, what the hell is Eric doing with his free time that he, you know, doesn't watch TV shows, but uh, I don't know, probably something more productive than I, <laughs> than I'm doing, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so, so yeah, uh, better call Saul breaking bad recommendations. We'll have more. I know we've got, we've got a question around the TV shows coming up, I think on uh on at least one of these these mailbags coming up for sure and as for me is i don't ask me why the australian football league for now 
for now and maybe by the time you guys listen to this maybe by the start of next week this will be all over but the australian football league uh kicked off last night i have no idea why they're doing it it, it seems ridiculous to me uh but they're playing no crowds. Without, no crowds um but you know they did come out today and say if one player tests positive then the season is done which i mean obviously <laughs> you, you know like it's it's just ridiculous so uh at this point saturday night over here the cats are still playing the john cats are still playing so that you know i mean we'll see I would have no issues at all if the season is suspended because, you know, I don't know why they're doing it in the first place. But if they play, I'll be watching. That's going to be my Saturday night. But, uh, but for everyone else, I hope everyone finds a way to get through the weekend, keeps themselves entertained, keeps themselves safe. And uh, we'll be back, as always, on Monday. We'll speak to you guys then. <laughs>